Hi. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything is fine. Hey, everybody. Everything's fine. Hey, everything's fine. Relax. Everything is just fine. All right. It is time for Wanko Fridays. Doesn't have the same ring to it, my man. It does not. Uh, and we're doing Wankle Fridays because we thought maybe we would have some some trades to talk about, right? Uh, we kind of wanted to, to delay this so we could talk about all the Phillies' new acquisitions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My sources are telling me Dave Dombrowski just got done nine. Uh, he shot a 46 on the front. He just went to the halfway house, got a dog, got a lemon-lime Gatorade, and he hopes to hit some putts on the back nine. Yeah, man. Uh, I know everyone's like, what's up? Where is he at? What are they doing? And uh, it has been a slow start here. Uh, I got to tell you, I would expect, I mean, we saw them make a deal that didn't get to the finish line with the Pirates. I would expect as we record here uh, ahead of the trade deadline Friday uh, that they will do multiple moves. I still think they're going to do multiple moves, but it's interesting because Time's running out. You know, they have roughly, oh, I don't know, seven hours as we talk here to, to get to the trade deadline. And uh, they've got multiple things they need to do. Uh, and, I mean, I don't know how you want to go about this or how you want to break it down, but they have to do multiple things if they're going to make the playoffs. Well, I think barehanded bread just made your life totally easier. Let's get the boys some playoff experience. Let's get, let's get Nola. Let's get Harper. Let's get Wheeler. Let's get Reese Hoskins. Boom. The young guys. Let's get the boys some playoff experience. Yeah, okay. So let's let's jump into that first, I guess. So, you know, you don't want to you don't want to react off of one game. You know, you don't want to say like, oh, if they would have lost that second game yesterday, you know, stick a fork in them. There's no reason to do a, a deal. But I really kind of do feel like that that game, the second game yesterday does change the outlook a little bit. And I mean, when you look at the standings, the difference between being three and a half out, and four and a half out, in terms of your ability to make a push down the last two months, it probably isn't all that big. But if you just go out and you get murdered in that second game and they, they're down seven, nothing early and you get swept by the worst team in baseball during the month of July at home, when you're playing for, you know, this ability to show your front office, let's go for it. And you lose three out of four, like, ah, that's that's a tough ask, man. So that was a big win for them. I think that it will propel this front office into doing something or some things. Uh, what they are at this point, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, you know, I, I was kind of told I, I got the sense that they were going to do multiple things. But like we said, time's running out here. So going back to my point about uh, playoff experience, you think do you think that's a valid argument? I because I do. I, I have been a buyer, even when they went on that four-game losing streak a couple weeks ago. But I always wanted to buy. I, I did want to get these guys some playoff experience, even if it means, I don't know, even if it means going up against the Brewers, who I think they actually could match up pretty well with. I mean, just, just get, the, get the fightings in October. Let's get a red October. The towel swinging around in Citizens Bank Park. Nola and Wheeler. I mean, Wheeler pitched a hell of a game. Just one pitch. One pitch he missed high up in the zone. That was supposed to be high up in the zone. It goes down the middle. Uh, Jan Gomes takes him yard, and, you know, they lose that game. What do you think? 
Yeah, listen, to answer your, your question directly, yes, there is a ton of value in getting playoff experience, especially when you have the game's second longest playoff drought. You know, these are guys that have not won together. They have not experienced success together. You talk about the Reese Hoskins of, of the world. Like, it would be good for them to play in October. You saw, if you go back to when the Phillies won the World Series in 08, they had gotten close a number of years leading up to that. They finally make the postseason in 07, and they get their doors blown off by the Rockies. But there is something to be said for having that experience, being in the playoffs, knowing that you can get there moving forward. So it's not just all about 2021. There is something to be said for, hey, we got in, we made a push, now we know how to do this. That being said, you know, this is not a team that's good enough to win it all. And I, I know that everybody knows that. But you also, when you look at what they have to do, add back of the, uh, back of the rotation starters, uh, add a bullpen piece or two, there, there's no deal here that really should require them to part with frontline prospects that are going to impede their ability to, to reload and get younger and have controllable talent in future years. We're talking about middle-of-the-road guys that you should be able to ship out to do what they need to do. They're not in play for Max Scherzer. You know, I don't think that they're in play for Chris Bryant. Maybe they are. Maybe maybe we record this and, and you know, five hours from now, Chris Bryant's coming to the Phillies. He's, he's going to Pittsburgh this weekend. But I don't think that they're in the mix for those guys. So it's not like you have to risk your future in order to accomplish what you're trying to now. And what do you think they are trying to now? Because like, when you look at Tyler Anderson – he was a rental, right? He wasn't going to be a long-term. Yeah, so Tyler Anderson, to me, is, is a dime a dozen. But he's yeah. exactly what this team needs. They need a guy that can go out and pitch five or six innings and give up two, three runs. Like, give you a professional start. The guy's not going to go out and, and dominate. The guy's not going to get hot for six starts and, and be a lights-out guy. But they just need somebody that can eat up some innings and give you a chance. And you look at th this past week, this past homestand, they had eight games against the Braves and Nationals at Citizens Bank Park. And there were five games in which they trailed by four or more runs in the first four innings of a game. I mean, like Matt Moore sunk you. Uh, Vince Velasquez sunk you. Yesterday, the bullpen game, they had no shot. I mean, they come back and win it, but they're down 7 nothing in the third inning. You, you just cannot have that. And so they need somebody to go back into that 4-5 and five spot and give them a chance. Typical Philly media hating on the team they're covering. It's, you know, it it's, it's, like, you it. it's tough. Like, you know, I'd like to see – I know you're like – I know what you're doing. You're I, being a wanker right now, Bob. You're being I a wanker. Know, listen, like, I, I would like for, for, for Phillies fans, for the people in this area to experience playoff baseball. I mean, an entire generation of, of kids have been robbed of postseason baseball. Like, if you were in second grade in 2011, the last time the Phillies made the playoffs, you are now what? Going 19? into junior year or senior year of high school. It's been nine years. So, I mean, you, you essentially grew up and went through a whole, a whole cycle of school, K through 12, and didn't really get a chance to, well, to experience it. That was my generation. I was 93 to 2007. So that was, I was 14 years old. I was like an eighth grader going into high school before the, uh, the Phillies got to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I was on a similar boat. Obviously, I'm older, but, I mean, uh, I guess the Phillies made the 93 World Series when I was in second grade. And then they got back to the postseason my junior year of college. I mean, that's insane. And, you know, the, the Phillies are kind of trending in that direction again here. So it's time. Like, it is definitely time for them to make a run. I don't believe in them. 
Uh, but, you know, there are things that they can do that, that could put them in the postseason, given this division is what it is. That being said, it's not like the Mets are just going to stand pat over the next seven hours. Like, I would be stunned if they don't do something of significance. Zach Davies is tied to them. Chris Bryant is tied to them. If they go out and make those moves, you know, I don't know what the Phillies do, but I'm not sure that it's going to matter. But from the optics standpoint, if they do absolutely nothing, holy shit. You know, like, that's going to be a tough a tough sell to this fan base. Like, we did nothing. I think they'd be almost better served saying, like, we don't believe in this. We're trading Andrew McCutcheon. We're going to sell pieces. At least, like, there would be some direction there. But to do nothing? Oh, man. There would be pushback, but there would also, I think, a week later, people would be like, okay, I understand the sell. Yeah. Now, the thing you have to keep in mind is the the Mets schedule – is, is more difficult than the Phillies' schedule over the last two months. I mean, the Mets have to deal with the Giants and Dodgers a number of times still. Um, they have to do a West Coast swing and go play those teams. They do see the Nationals, I believe, 11 times, and this Nationals team now looks like it, it could maybe win 12 games the rest of the season. Uh, the Phillies see the Nationals seven more times. But the Phillies have a very, very advantageous schedule. And, I mean, we're talking, you know, the, the Pittsburghs of the world. They see Colorado at home. They can't win on the road. I mean, the Phillies do have a chance here. But, you know, in general, like, am I a believer? Like, if you ask me right now, like, hey, I'll give you plus 150 odds on the Phillies to make the postseason, I would not take that. Um, but, listen, they, they got to do something just from the optics. This is – this is literally, if they don't do anything today, this is if we don't, we don't, playing out in, in real life. And uh, it would be unacceptable, especially after Dave Dombrowski, over the last few weeks, I stood right in front of him last Saturday at Pass and Stowe, and he said, you know, we're going to add, we're going to do things. you got to do it now. Yeah. I was at the uh, Red Sox game uh, yesterday. Uh, they lost 13-1. to 1. It might be me. Um, one point, uh, Fenway? Total dump. Like, you would never think that for a, a stadium that's been around for about 150 years, but there's, like, boarded-up houses, boarded-up condos and stuff. you think there would be, like, $1.5 million condos right there. A lot of cranes and everything, so I think they're building and whatnot. But couldn't believe how much of a dump Fenway was. You know, I've, I've been to Fenway twice, and, and neither time have I seen – I've never seen a game at Fenway. I, I did the tour. I did the tour. Uh, Great tour. You know, I did the tour, and it was fine. Um, I was down on the field, uh, during the winter time, actually, uh, in a separate time. And like, you're right. I mean, it's, I don't know. Yeah, don't. <laughs> like, it's fine. But the NESN, uh, the new England sports network, they do, um, the score, uh, the hits, the errors, and they do left on base. They have the fourth column on the, uh, on the score bug. Could you imagine if NBC sports did this, did the left on base score bug for the Philadelphia Phillies? It would look like the hot dog counter that they had going the other night. <laughs> it would be like three digits at one point. They'd be like, we don't have enough room for the scoreboard. It's getting in front of the, uh, in, in front of the advertisers. Yeah, listen, like, it's, it's been crazy watching them hit with runners in scoring position. Like, we talk about the pitching so much, and, and clearly that is the biggest need. But over the last, you know, 10 games or so, it's just been, it's been tough to watch them from an offensive standpoint. Now, yesterday – they get hot late against a horrendous, horrendous Washington bullpen. Uh, my, it is worse than theirs. <laughs> so, I mean, like, 
they, it was a nice job. They, they stole an important win. They stole a win the other night with the Andrew McCutcheon homer. But, like, they should not have been in positions where they had to do that. Like, they should have gone out and just scored a ton of runs in this series. Um, you know, and that kind of leads you to the other question. In a perfect world, you're like, well, go out and get the, the rotation piece. Then you go out and get another bat, too. Like, I just tweeted out before we started talking, and I don't foresee this happening, you know. But, like, watching a guy like Josh Harrison this week, he had eight hits and 16 at-bats against the Phillies, six extra base hits. He can play second base. He can play a little left field. He can play a little third. You know, the defense couldn't be any worse than what you've got at third base. So, I mean, there's really no downside there. Like, he would be a perfect addition for a team like this. But when you look at the order of operations, like, you've got to go get at least one starting pitcher. I think they need two especially not knowing what Zach Eflin's going to look like here over the last two months, what his availability is. You need a bullpen piece. So I just don't know. Like, can you make four separate trades in the next seven hours? <laughs> you couldn't make four separate trades in the last two weeks. Like, yeah, so, you're going to make four I mean, separate trades in, in, in uh, seven hours. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you brought me Josh Harrison, uh, if you brought me two starting pitchers that were the equivalent of Ty- Tyler Anderson, and then, uh, you know, a functional bullpen arm, then, like, we could talk about 85 wins and winning the division. But, I mean, that's a lot to do, man. I got a trade scenario from uh, Ken Rosenthal's article that I was looking at yesterday. So, Twins would trade Jose Barrios, Byron Buxton, and Josh Donaldson to the Phillies for Spencer Howard and Alec Bohm. Yeah. Well, the Donaldson Donaldson's contract is just an absolute disaster, and that would be the Phillies needing to kind of like step up from a financial standpoint. Um, yeah, I mean, like, listen, there's that's the one thing I wonder, and and again, this is going to either seem really smart or really stupid um, by the time most people listen to this, but like. The, the inactivity and the quietness is okay. Like, I know that, like, we live in a society where we, like, jump on Twitter and, like, you know, everyone's like, well, they're not doing anything. Well, you don't know that. Just because it's not being leaked to John Heyman and Ken Rosenthal every 20 seconds doesn't mean that the Phillies aren't making calls. They're not close on things. I, I do wonder, though, like, the, just the inactivity of, like, or lack of rumors, if they're going to do something that's a little bit different than what I just suggested. Like, they're actually going to come out and they're going to go big. And you're like, mm. whoa, the Phillies, you know? After not you know, being so quiet leading up to this thing, look at them entering the chat, like, with two hours to go. Like, What would be big to you? Uh, I guess I would say anything involving Chris Bryant, anything involving Craig Kimbrell, anything that involves – trading a, like a package that includes a Spencer Howard or Alec Bohm or a Bryson Stott that brings back a meaningful piece, like a number two type starter. Like those are the types of moves the Phillies haven't really been linked to. Those are the types of moves that, that I would say like, wow, you know, like that's aggressive, not a number four, number five type starter. Would you be back on board with Bob Wangle, a member of the Philadelphia media, stop hating on the Philadelphia team that he covered? Typical Philly, <laughs> Philly media guy. I think I've been very fair on the Phillies. You have been very fair, but you are you have been being a wanker in the last couple of, of, of yeah. Years. So have you watched Ted Lasso? Have you done the? No, Ted I Lasso? saw your tweet, and I didn't. I can't believe I never called you a wanker before. I mean, so I I'm like four episodes into season one. I finally was like, I got to do this. I, I need to like know what everybody's talking about. And wanker is a very very big part of the vocabulary of the show. And I'm, like, having, like, flashbacks of just getting murdered on the Crossing Broad comment section, being called a wanker. 
They got to open the comments back up in the Crossing Broad section. No, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that, yes, it would, it would definitely change uh, the outlook. I don't know if it's the, the right thing to do or the smart thing to do, but in the short term, I think I've been a big proponent of, like, as early as May, talking about them needing to do deals that, that change. And I think we've had this conversation that change, like, the, the overall look and feel, the DNA of the team. Mm-hmm. And I, I would be on board with that. Like, you know, I've talked about the idea of trading Reese Hoskins. Like, that's not going to happen today, I don't think. I don't um, but I, I, I say that not because I don't think he's a good player. He's really one of the most productive players. But I do just feel like, in general, this team needs a change. It, it needs a change in its overall dynamics and its leadership. And, you know, I just don't know that tweaking and adding and, and doing these things is really what long-term is going to make the difference. So if they can do something that really shakes up the picture, you know, like I, I, see, the, I see the thought behind that. I don't, think they can, I don't think they can not make a move after Bryce's comments on, was it Tuesday, where they were like, we can't keep going out there and scoring six to eight runs a night. And it's like, well, Bryce, you, you guys also don't score six to eight runs a night. I don't know what you're talking about. What'd you think of that? That kind of was like a send. I don't know between that and the Chris Bryant on the bat. And I know it's like something you really shouldn't look into. He he uses guys bats all the time. It did feel like he was kind of sending a message with those comments and just using a guy who has been rumored in a lot of trades bat. Yeah. He had said that he had been using the bat for a a couple weeks now and that we hadn't noticed it. Okay. I, I, I want to be careful how I say this, but like, Bury him. <laughs> Clip the Twitter. Go. Yeah, bury him for me, Bob. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Like, if I were a fan, I, I'd be like, look at Bryce. You know, he's always looking to add players and, and get the fan base excited and talking. But, like, at the same time, and, like, I know they have a relationship, those two, but that stuff is, like, I, I find that stuff, like, corny, to be honest with you. I really do. Like, I, I don't know. Like, you're – Yesterday after the game, Brad Miller hits the grand slam and he tells the media, he says, you know, I was talking to Raul Banyas one time and on my contract, it said, you know, he said, you got to understand it says on your contract player, you know, and so like all we can do is go out and play and, and try to like win games the best we can. And if they make moves, great. If they don't, like, we'll try to win with what we have. And Bryce Harper actually said something similar to that yesterday as well. Um, but like Bryce Harper is not the GM. Aaron Rodgers, who had that 40-minute press conference this week, isn't the GM. Like, there's a reason that these guys aren't making personnel decisions. I, I kind of just think it's corny, honestly. Like, just go out and play. Like, don't worry about using Chris Bryant's bat. Use your bat. Or, like, I just – I don't get all tied up in all that stuff. As, like, a fan, I probably would. But now I'm just, like, I just don't really care, you know? I just – I don't think this is a marriage that's going to last between Bryce and the Phillies organization, especially like, if they don't. Go ahead. It, it's weird because they, they spend. Like, they've spent money. I know they haven't gone over the luxury tax. Maybe that changes today. But it's like they spend, but they just don't have it. And, you know, Bryce Harper – is having a good year. Like, there are a lot of different numbers that you can look at and be like, damn, Bryce Harper's actually having a really good year. Now, I know he doesn't have the, the power numbers. I think he has 16 home runs right now. Well, Mike Miss is pissed that he doesn't have the RBI numbers. Yeah, the RBI numbers. And, like, the counting stats, like, I think sometimes, like, 
we, especially in 2021, like we've kind of, most of us have moved on and understand that like RBIs like aren't always on the player. Mm -hmm. But like that being said, you know, you're not asking the guy to go out and hit 45 home runs, but like Bryce Harper playing his home games in Citizens Bank Park, like is it reasonable to expect him to be a 30 home run guy? Yeah. And I know he's missed games. He's missed, I think, roughly 20 games. And had he not, he'd probably be about on that pace. But like there are times where you kind of just want him to be able to say, let's go. I'm putting you guys on my back. I'm going to go nuts for seven to 10 games. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what our bullpen's like. It doesn't matter that Christopher Sanchez is starting game two. Get on my back. Here we go. And like that really hasn't happened. But then you stop and pause and you look at his numbers across the board and you're like, yo, this dude is having a really good year. So it's like, it's just kind of like weird. Like you want a little bit more, but then you stop and say like, damn, like I'd take a 930, 940 OPS. Like that's pretty damn good. It's kind of like a Ben Simmons situation where it's like, you know, Ben has seven, seven and 15. It's like, well, I can't have my star, my second star scoring seven points. It's like, well, he does a lot, you know, that you don't see that doesn't go on the stats and stuff. Now, baseball is more stat related. And I say, you know, Bryce Harper, he's just not a sexy player, in my opinion. He just doesn't do like, he, there's no, you know, walk off home runs. There was that inside the park home run the other day. That was probably, I don't know, his greatest play since he walked it off against the, the Cubs. Yeah. Can we stop showing the walk off grand slam against the Cubs? Like, can we just. It was a great moment and all for the 2019 Phillies that finished under 500. Like it was a, it was in real time. You're like, yo, that's Bryce Harper's signature moment. Here come the Phils. But that kind of goes back to like Bryce Harper, where it's like, that's his signature moment. A 2019 team that won what 70, 80 games below. They were below 500. That's all I remember. Well, I like, think they won 80 games or. Yeah. Or like that's Bryce's signature moment. And, and you know, like you said, he's having a very good season, a low key good season, like ninth in OPS. But I'm going to need my Bryce Harper, the guy I'm paying $330 million to, to, like you said, put the team on his back and be like, we're going to win this game or we're going to win this division. Yeah, like you would think it's, it's amazing. You said, like, you don't find him or, like, you don't – he's not a sexy player. Mm-hmm. Um, he was that. That was yeah. like his thing. Or, like, he's going to show up and he's going to have the hair and he's wearing the fanatic shoes. And he was the face of baseball for a little bit. Hit. 460 foot home runs and 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 be that guy and now like you appreciate him because he's a good player but like he isn't the face of baseball anymore in three years since he's joined the Phillies like that he, he's not that like he's not Fernando Tatis Jr. he's not uh, Vladimir you know he's not Guerrero like he's not those guys he's he's not like a must he's not a must-see television mm-hmm. you know and and that, I think that's an unfair criticism because they're not paying him to be musty television. They're paying him to be a productive player and win games. But, yeah, like in that way, I guess he's kind of left you wanting a little bit more. I was there on Monday. The Spencer Howard thing, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I'm done with it. At one point, I know he's on an innings limit, but can't they just let him go six? Even if he's getting shelled, can they let him try to get out of the inning? Like just build some confidence. Build. He's an adult, man. Can we, can we go forward? Can we go six with the kid? Like, I feel like this is more on the Phillies. I think they're – this feels like a Scott Kingery situation where they're going to mess him up and mess his development up. Yeah, the Phillies haven't probably handled uh, Spencer Howard correctly. Like, the lack of defined role, jerking him back and forth between uh, the minor leagues and, and then making him a reliever, making him a starter. Even as recently as two weeks ago, it was like, go down, we're going to stretch you out, we'll see you in 2022, and you're going to come back and be the guy that we expect. 
Um, and then now here he is starting again. And he may, even if they make an addition or two, still find himself in the starting rotation simply because Vince Velasquez and Matt Moore have been so bad. It's crazy. That being said, like, he's 24 years old, 25 years old. It, it's time, man. Like, you, you said it. He's an adult. This whole, like, uh, hey, I have a blister. I have a callus. I ran to first base. I'm tired. The fastball velocity starting 95-96 in innings one and two, turning down to 91-92 by inning five if he gets there, like, or inning four if he gets there. It's just like every time the guy starts, he leaves, and you go like, well, it was good for a little bit, and it ended up being not so good. And, like, that's getting old. Maybe he just is a reliever. Like, it's okay if he's just going to be a really good reliever. That would be fine, especially in the Phillies world in which – Often they get nothing at all from players. But, um, <laughs> you know, this is a guy who was supposed to be like a number two type starter and it hasn't worked out yet. But, like, you watch him early on in games and you, like, you see that it's there. You know, you, like, you see the fastball. You, you see him kind of working in the breaking ball. He's, he's kind of going to, like, a harder slider now. He's effective at a point. I mean, he's been unbelievably good the first time through an order. They've got to figure out how he can take that next step. And if he can't, then they've got to alter his career path because what they're getting out of him right now is just, it's a waste of time. It's probably crushing his development. It's probably killing whatever confidence that he has remaining. So, I mean, there are glimpses of hope with him. Like I would not write him off and say like, this guy will never contribute to a major league team because I think he does have, like he has it. There's something there, but they've got to figure out how to untap it. And I don't know that they will. On the other end, Munyak, he was killing it down in, uh, down in AAA the last couple of days, been being same thing, being brought up, sent back down, being brought up, sent back down. Like, why is he, why is he not getting reps in AAA and just sitting on the bench up here in Philadelphia? Well, so he comes up because Travis Jankowski goes on the the COVID related IL and he did not have COVID. You know, he just didn't feel well. Um, and then they they bring him up, they send him back, and and that's just really an indictment of of their overall organizational depth. They just don't really have a lot. Um, I just don't think they believe in Mickey Moniak. Like he's done a nice job. Like he's, he's made himself into a nice triple a player. He's still relatively young. Um, you know, I'm not saying that he won't ever become a, a decent major league piece, but I think that they probably feel his upside at this point. The Phillies probably feel his upside is as a fourth outfielder, which is what I think his upside is. Uh, I don't like people are like, why not Nick? Why not? Like, let's do, let's do the Mickey Moniak thing. Like, I just don't, I don't think he's very good. I don't think the Phillies think he's very good. Having a number one overall pick become a fourth outfielder. That's the upside. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think Adam Hazley is too, which is also a number one or you know, first round pick. Um, Mick I, I Abel going to be a four starter. <laughs> I'm a believer in him. I am. Yeah. I, I am. So, I mean, we'll see. That doesn't, I, I'm a believer or was a believer in Spencer Howard too, but I never really saw it with Mickey Moniak. Um, I, I never really saw it with, with Adam Hazley. I've, I've kind of just at no point was I like, this is a, this is going to be the guy. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll see. All right. I, got, I know you like the controversial topic, so I got one for you. Um, Roy Holiday's number retiring. I think it's a little much. Uh, the guy yeah. was here for four years, one side young, obviously the no-hitter in the playoffs and whatnot, a couple all-star games. It's just really weird, I think, to retire a guy's number who's been here for four seasons before, like, J-Roll before chase before ryan howard 
Yeah. Uh, wow. I didn't know we were going to talk Roy Halladay today. Um, yeah. I mean, he was, he was obviously fantastic, uh, in, in 2010 and, and 2011. Um, nobody better in the sport really. I mean, and then at the end of his career, you know, in Philadelphia wasn't, wasn't very good, obviously for a lot of reasons. Fell that off the shelf real fast. It was kind of, yeah. And, and I think we have come to learn more about, you know, why and, and how that played mm-hmm. out. So, you know, uh, yeah, I get it. Um, I, I, just, I think he, sh- I think it still should have been, I don't get me wrong. It's just, I think it's a weird opportunity to do it before J roll, before chase, before those guys who like won you a title. I mean, are we going to retire quickly? You have other guys in the pecking order, uh, that, that probably, you know, are more worthy of it, I guess. Um, you know, I, here's what I'll tell you. I just think when you, you like, look at those seasons, I know they didn't result in a, a World Series, but, like, I mean, he did deliver just absolutely iconic moments. Like, that, that playoff no-hitter, you know, other than actually winning a championship was, was probably the greatest moment in franchise history. I mean, it really, it really was. Like, I mean, that is well, just not, – not over the World Series. No, I'm saying, like, outside of winning championships. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, like, championships excluded. Um, like, take 1980 and take 2008 out of the equation. It like wasn't that, Cliff Lee catching the ball on the mound in the 2009 World Series? No. <laughs> Cliff Lee, though, in the playoffs that year, like, was. I'm just, but that's what I'm saying. Like, Cliff Lee, are we going to retire his number next? I mean, I think with Doc is this city immediately grasped Doc. It was a high-profile free agent in a time where the Sixers sucked the Eagles were good. They just went to the NFC Championship game. Uh, and the Flyers were a year out from going to uh, the, the Stanley Cup Finals and whatnot, or they might have been in it that year. I think we finally had a high-paid acquisition turnout. He was a guy just like us, a workhorse and everything. And the city really grasped towards Roy Holiday. It just feels – and I keep saying weird, and weird's probably not the right word, but like – I can't believe it was only four seasons. You would have thought the guy played his whole career here. You would have. Um, you know, I actually think there's like two different components to this. So, one, you know, the Phillies had the Ryan Howards of the world, Chase Utley's of the world. They win the World Series. But, like, you know, you go back to 07, team wasn't very good. They got hot at the end. Like, there was not a lot of belief in the 07 Phillies until they, they got hot at the very end. 08, same thing. Like, they made the playoffs the year before, but they struggled for quite a bit of 2008. And then they got really hot towards the end, and they rode that momentum through the playoffs and win the World Series. And then in 09, they get back to the World Series. There was a flirtation with Roy Halladay in 09. Like, that was the thing. It was almost like he wasn't here that season, but the idea of Roy Halladay started to really kind of enter the Phillies' minds and Phillies fans' minds. And he was just so dominant and so good that when they went out and got him, like, the Phillies winning the World Series previously had brought their clout in the city up to this this peak level, mm-hmm. and then he comes in and the hype just goes through the roof. Like the hype for the 2010-2011 Phillies was so far superior to what it was in 07, 08, and even 09 to an extent. Oh, and, the four aces was amazing. Yeah, I mean the hype for that team was just out of control, and so I think that there was something like we got this guy, like we got the guy that is the absolute at the absolute apex of the sport he couldn't wait to be here like he really wanted to be in Philadelphia 
that was that was what I think made him. And you talked about it, like the work ethic and all the like. He got up at four a.m. and was out running on the field at Clearwater. Like the city just ate all of that stuff up. And then he went out and and met the hype those first two seasons. And you know, I think obviously what happened here with him, you know, uh, a couple of years ago and, and him not being with us anymore, I think probably plays a part in the, the timeline of this. You know, he deserves to be up there. He deserves yeah. to, you know. Uh, but yes, when you look at the Phillies that are worthy just in the grand scheme of, of what happened on the field, Rollins, Utley, Howard, those guys, you know, probably are all ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to bring it up. I wanted to think what your, uh, what your comments were. I was talking to my cousin yesterday about it, and he's like, oh, well, how is he getting retired? And I was like, yeah, you know, he's like, what about, you know, Utley or Rollins? Or I was like, yeah, you, you make a, you know, a fair deal. Are the Blue Jays, are the Blue Jays doing that with him this year too? Is, is that? I, he, my cousin also asked me, did he go into the hall as just a MLB guy, not a Blue Jay or not a Philly? If I'm not mistaken, I think that there's like two different – I think it's like an even deal. I think he like went in and both teams got to equally acknowledge it and, and all of that. Um, I'm, I'm actually just trying to find out here. Roy Halladay, right, are the Blue Jays – because if the Blue Jays are doing it, then maybe it's kind of just like a, a joint thing where they say like, hey, like let's, let's both – they did it last year. Okay. Yeah. His number was retired, it looks like, in 2018, 2019 previously. So, I think maybe that's part of it. The Phillies are just saying, like, hey, they did it already. Like, let's let's get on board and be part of it as well. Yeah, they're the second team to retire Holiday's number after his death. And then the Blue Jays retired his number 32 last season. And this was written in February 4th, 2020. So, 2019, you're right. They, uh, they retired his jersey. So, man. You you coming down for alumni weekend? You excited to see anybody? <laughs> I'll be I'll be there for alumni weekend. I actually covered them in 2019 for alumni weekend, and you know that part of it was actually kind of cool. Like I mean, I'll be honest with you, you know, like you know, I was a Phillies fan growing up and everything. So seeing those guys, like guys that played when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, like that was cool. You know, like, like hey, I remember you from my childhood. And like that, I had a little bit of a different feel to it. The current Phillies, it's a little bit more of a professional working uh, environment. I'm not as like, ooh, you know. Charlie, you're not going to go, oh, my God, Charlie, it was awesome to watch you manage in the 08 World Series. Or Mike Lieberthal, I remember when you, you know, went to the 1999 <laughs> All-Star game. Like, I just want to say you're one of my heroes, man. It's like, don't you? Yeah, no, uh, no, I don't think I'll be doing that. You got the PR from the Phillies, like, Bob, go back up to the, go back up to the booth. Yeah, yeah. shoo, get out. <laughs> All right, one unwritten rule before I let you go. You're the keeper of the unwritten rules. We actually missed last week. Let's uh, do it. I'm ready. Wearing a different jersey than the two teams playing at a sporting event. Where you fall on that? It's weird. Uh, I, I don't know that it's a, a breaking of the unwritten rule, but, like, did you wear a Phillies jersey at Fenway? I actually wore exactly what I'm wearing to talk to you right now. I wore, a, like, Very it was nice. raining. It was, like, a Sherpa, and then I wore, like, a white shirt. I'm not a big jersey guy. I don't put I don't put jerseys on. I don't buy jerseys. Just never was a jersey guy. I, I think I, when I got into my like into my 30s is when I said like that's enough of jerseys. Like I I kind of did away with jerseys. Also, uh, yeah, like because if you're 35, let's say you're 35 years old and you're rocking right now. A Devontae Smith jersey. Like, I am an Eagles fan. Like, I love the Eagles. I, I abandoned my professionalism with the Eagles. Like, come week one, I'll be on Twitter. Like, what the fuck was that? You know? Um, 
But, uh, like, no, I'm not going to go out and buy a Devontae Smith jersey at this point. And also, I was the guy that would buy the jersey and then immediately regret it, like, six months later. Like, well, he turned into a pumpkin. He sucked. Like, so, I've, I've abandoned the jerseys. I'm a big, like, retro guy now. Like, I buy a lot of the Kelly Green stuff, like, a lot of, like, the, the 80s and 90s looks and all that. So, in fact, there you go. Oh, Kelly Green. Little yeah. Kelly Green old school logo yeah. hat. So there we are uh, to prove a point. Uh, so, yes, to answer your question, violation? Violation, Bo. Violation? Um, it's a violation. Put it in the bagster? Might need to put that in a bagster wearing uh, a different team's jersey to a stadium. What prompts this question? Where did you see this? Oh, you know, there's just Yankees jerseys all over the place there. Uh, yeah, Cubs like, jerseys. Like, we yeah. get it. Like, you aren't a fan of the team that you're watching right now. Like, cool. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. It's like Put Blue Jays, Red Sox, and guys wearing a Yankees jersey. Other guys are wearing Cubs jerseys and whatnot. And I'm just like, I get it. You're trying to show your fandom. But really, I don't get it because really you're just trying to rile people up. Especially if you're wearing a Yankees jersey. This guy's just looking to just brawl. That being said, that being said, I'll tell you what's even worse. If you are out of market and you go somewhere else, like say you're in Boston, and because uh, this is exactly what happened to me. I went on a bachelor party in Boston. And my friend was really into soccer, so we went and watched a New England Revolution game. Gillette. And did you go to I, Kevin Kincaid's uh, bachelor party? No. Let me tell you how uh, how much I did not care about watching the Revolution play. But we went inside the Patriots team store at Gillette, and it was actually pretty cold that night. And my one buddy ended up buying a Do Your Job Patriots hoodie. And I'm like, dude, what the – you can't wear that. And he's like, I don't care. I'm cold. I just got to – I was unprepared. It was raining. So he was just like, this is what it's got to be. And that is even worse. Like, No, I would do that. I, I, I agree with that guy. I, I hate being cold. If I'm cold, <laughs> if it's raining on me, I'll be miserable. It was raining last night, but we were underneath the awning and whatnot. Um, yeah, if I'm cold, I'll buy anything. I'll put giant stuff on. I'll put cowboy stuff on. I'll put anything on. I will say we got pretty ripped during the Super Bowl when the Eagles were in it. And at halftime of the Super Bowl, we we were like, yo, do you still have that hoodie? He was hosting this big Super Bowl party. And we're like, you still have that hoodie? And we're like, we've got to fucking burn it. And so at halftime of the Super Bowl, get the fire pit going, and that hoodie went right into it. So it actually – effigy, I like it. It came in handy a couple years later, but uh, yeah. All right, so where are the Phils at when, uh, when two hours from now and this podcast means absolutely nothing because they traded for somebody? Where are they at? What are they doing? What have they yeah. done? Uh, I'm going to say that they've obtained one starting pitcher uh, and one bullpen piece uh, that's not Craig Kimbrell. I don't know who they are, uh, you know, but I think it's just going to be two moves that say, like, hey, we kind of did it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> you see the Jonathan Rodriguez spin rates? They're down. Oh, uh, the the Pirates reliever is it? Is it? I thought he was a Dick Rod. I thought he was Richard Rodriguez. Or Richard Rodriguez, whatever his name is. Uh, Kincaid wrote the other day. Do we have room for two Dick Rods in Philadelphia <laughs> joining the Eagles tight end? Well, it was um, my favorite thing because all the all the Twitter uh, one guy tweets out about how his spin rates are down since the uh, sticky tack is gone, and then everyone just runs with like, "Oh, can't get Rodriguez. His spin rates are down." Yeah, actually, um, I don't necessarily care about the spin rate as much as I do the fact that he just throws one pitch. Um, he's, he's like primarily all fastball. So everyone's like worried about the spin rate of his slider that he doesn't really throw that often. Um, he would be an upgrade as to like what the Phillies have, but I actually do think that's very much along the lines of like, we went out and got, uh, you know, Heath Hembry and Brandon Workman. Like these aren't guys that are actually good, but because we're so bad in this area, 
let's just bring in a change of, of scenery like type of guy and, and see if he can do it. Um, that would not be a move that excites me terribly. Well, no matter what they so do, that'll be the move. That'll be the move, Dan. <laughs> no matter what they do, no one will be there because the attendance numbers can't be good. Dave Dombrowski and John Milton have to be looking at that and being like, it's terrible. Yeah, man. Like I think they had 20,000 announced yesterday. They've been kind of hovering like either a little over 20 or a little under 20. Most of that last homestand. And I think it's just twofold. Like one, I, I don't believe there's a ton of belief in the team. I, I think that that's very obvious. And you know what? Number two, like, I thought like people were just going to be chomping at the bit to get back to the stadium. And like, that was going to be like a number one priority. But when you, you step back and you're like, if you, if you play by the rules and you kind of shut things down for the last year plus for the most part, maybe going back to a stadium to watch a 500 baseball team wasn't the priority that maybe I kind of assumed it was going to be like bars haven't, you know, people haven't been hitting bars with regularity for most of this last year. Plus most people haven't been doing all the other vacationing and traveling to other cities. Like there's just so many different things that you've missed out on over the last year, year and a half that maybe going to see the Phillies play isn't really at the top of the list. Like a lot of people thought it would be. And then the other component, really the more important thing is that the season ticket base just isn't there like it, it usually is. Mm. So, like, you're, you're missing out on those numbers. But if they were good and people really believed and they were, like, 10 games over 500 in first place right now, I'm sure you'd probably be seeing 27, 28,000 out there instead of 19, 20. Makes sense. All right. Well, that's Bob Wankel. Uh, Wankel Fridays, like I said, just does not have the same ring to it. I'm in Boston in a hotel room right now. Um, when are you coming which, back? Are you up there all weekend? Yeah, I'm up there all weekend. So I'll be uh, I'll be monitoring the uh, the old phone here, seeing what Dave Dombrowski is going to do. Is this boys' trip we're on, or like what are we doing up in? No, nah, we do a, we do a cousins' trip. We do a cousins' all trip right. every every year. Uh, so I'm going to get some baked beans. Um, okay. Not many people know this. Boston is known for their baked beans, uh, beans and their yeah. clam chowder. There's a there's a place called the Bean Town Pub, literally right down the street from where I'm staying. Number one baked bean in the city of Boston. So. When in we didn't have any big beans when I've been up there. We just hit a lot of bars and breweries and stuff, but it was, uh, it was good times, man. A little Sam Adams safe. Brewery, a little Harpoon. Yeah, Harpoon. We, hit, we did Harpoon. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was a good time. Solid. Enjoy that. I will. Uh, that's Bob Wankel. You can read him at crossingbroad.com. Where can people find you on your Twitter? We're at Bob Wankel CB. Uh, and so you can follow along and as I tweet through the uh, remaining two months of the Philly season here. Yep. Typical Philly guy, typical Philly media guy, down on his team. <laughs> Miserable Philadelphia media. <laughs> <laughs>